Lives Matter. Welcome to the Truth to Power Show on Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm your host, VJR Nathan. And with us today is co-host Colt Mallison. Welcome, Colt. Hey, how are you doing? Good to be here. Hi, thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. Um, so, uh, our special guest is Nico Toth, who is a civil engineer by trade, traveler by passion, and change maker by choice. Nico is a Hungarian world citizen who turned our curiosity and love for asking questions, um, love for asking questions into a podcast called On the Ball with Nico Toth where she aims to redefine success. She has graduated as a civil engineer in Denmark in 2019. Then before COVID hit, she decided to travel the world as a solo female traveler. She has been on the road for over 10 months, visiting all of the continents, learning from ancient cultures, and living with locals. The experience changed her perspective. After returning home, she decided to turn her life around. Currently, she lives in Amsterdam, the Netherlands, where she's involved with various projects like online event management, the Hog Peace Project, while working with a company that guides the fashion industry towards more sustainable production. Nico is a proactive and compassionate change maker who would like to inspire others to redefine the world we use on a daily basis. Welcome, Nico. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, great, great, great to have you. Great to have you. Um, let me just give me one second. Uh, let's stop this. Okay. Um, yeah. So let's start the conversation off a little bit about uh, what it means to be a change maker. I know that was that was highlighted in your. Um, yeah. Let's start. So can you tell us a little bit about that? What is a change maker? I think there are so many def- definitions that we can think about and. I think the interesting thing when it comes to change making, like you can't take every single person and their definition could be something totally different because making a change can be in many different ways. So how I personally try to bring a change is redefining the words, but also trying to understand what the world needs and taking action towards that. I think that's the most simple definition that we can give to making a change. So like seeing what is not working around you and then taking action towards that to make a difference. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And you have a podcast on the ball with Nico Toth. Tell us a bit about that. Well, it was a fun project because when I was traveling, I had all these interesting conversations with different type of people. So I met monks, I met indigenous people, aboriginals, but also just artists from all over the world. And their views were so interesting. And I've learned so much from that. So after returning back home, I was missing those conversations. So I decided to start a podcast where I can continue growing, continue learning and have these really inspiring conversations with people who have broad knowledge on many different areas of our lives. The idea behind the on the ball is, I don't know if you checked the definition, most people think that on the ball is for sports or when you watch a football game or something. But the real definition is to be like, be present and be able to act in any situation and be on the ball. You Mm. can do it in many different ways. So, just this title is already like challenging for me to choose, but I found it to be aligned with what I'm doing. 
because I would like to redefine success, the verbs that we use on a daily basis, because we feel that success is something outside of our comfort zone. It is something that the external world is defining for us. It is money, authority, power. But I think if we would really start asking ourselves what success means to us, it could be about being a wonderful mother or a father. It could be about being successful in your career in, in a way that you enjoy it, that you don't spend hours and hours on something that you don't like. It could be about your health, that you wake up in the morning and go to sleep in the evening with a smile on your face. That is my definition of success. Mm. That I love doing something in between those hours that I'm awake that it's meaningful. Um, so I would like to stop and inspire people to also stop and reflect on what is success for them and how we can achieve it in our daily lives. Um, your journey that you took, your turn month, like trip or, you know, to different places. When was that? What what year was that? Was that before the pandemic or? I'm not sure if I can understand the question. Oh, when, when did you take your 10 month uh, travels? Because you traveled for 10 months around the world. Yeah, you traveled for 10 months around the world. Yes. When was that? When was well, that? just when, when, when? When was it? It was uh, like I started 2019 after I graduated. So I first went to South Africa in March and then I actually f had to go back to Denmark for a few months to sort out all the visas. And then I started on the road from Asia, then all the way around the world from 2019, July until COVID hit 2020 mm. in oh. March. So interesting. Yeah. And what were some of the lessons you learned from that travel experience? Wow. How much time do we have? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so many. So even on the first day, I already learned a lesson because I packed everything into my nice backpack. I was planning to backpack it all around the world and I was ready and I landed in Thailand and I go outside. I'm about to pick up my package and there is nothing there. There's no luggage. I'm like, I have my phone, I have my credit card, and literally that's all I have to start my my one year around the world trip. And I was thinking, okay, I can stay here and I can spend hours and hours complaining and fighting with the flight attendants, but they cannot really solve my issue. So why not just to go to the hostel and try to make the best out of it? I'm not going to spend too many days here anyways, because I only had like a three-day layover in Bangkok before I just to get adjusted to the time zone and everything. It's so like, why to waste it on the airport? I'm just going to go to the hostel and try to enjoy it. And because I didn't have a luggage when I arrived, I didn't really need to check in. So I just said that I'm, I saw two lovely girls having lunch. So I was like, I haven't had anything to eat yet. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to ask if I can join them. So I joined them. We had a wonderful conversation and the three of us, explored Bangkok in a way that I haven't even planned before. So the lesson for that was like, whatever we come across, we can always decide on how we are acting and what we bring out of the situation. We can look at it as something positive or look at it as something negative. I could have stuck at the airport and complained, but I also decided to just go and really enjoy the time that I have there and try to sort out my problems along the way. So this was one of the first problems that I came across in this travel. And then there were many, many others. So when I was in New Zealand, it was a huge struggle from day zero. My flight got canceled. Then I 
when I was volunteering, the place where I was volunteering at, I wasn't working out. When I was traveling with travel mates, that was not working out. So it was like struggle after struggle. And what I figured out is like how how able I am to solve these problems that I can think really quick, think, uh, do creatively the problem solving situation, and then just go with whatever is, is coming. Did I you think get, that's you... always a good lesson, like that you can solve problems, whatever it comes, and you can always come up with a plan B or plan C on the spot. Just a few things that were top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get your luggage back eventually? <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, it was it was a funny story. So I was trying to call. It was Ukrainian airline, and I was calling them from Bangkok. And they answered the phone. I'm like, can I speak English? Like, is there anyone speak English? No, speak English. I'm like, but it's it's an airport. Like, you should speak English. No English. And they hang up the phone on me. I was like, what am I doing? So as I'm a Hungarian, and I live close to the Ukrainian and Romanian border, my dad had friends who are Ukrainians. So I was calling my dad, giving him all the information. He contacted his Ukrainian friend who wrote them an email and sorted out all the situation in Ukrainian. Suddenly my package appeared from out of nowhere because they were telling me like, they're like, no, the package is not, not available. We don't know, it's already there. As soon as we were talking in Ukrainian, suddenly it appeared and it arrived. But it was a big stress because I was about to go to the airport on the third day and my, my last day in Bangkok. And I was like, I just, I just gotta stay there for the whole day. And in the morning, after a whole night of meditating and visualizing that I'm going to hug my package, I'm going to hug my package because I cannot travel without it. So a whole night of visualizing that I'm going to get a package. In the morning, uh, the hostel I was staying at, they got a call that they found my package and it's on my way to the hostel. So at least I could have a shower before going to the airport and <laughs> hopping on the next plane. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting how you uh, weaved in the visualization, how like that it's important to like remember, it's important to visualize what we're doing so that then we're not caught up in the anxiety of the moment, but rather we're visualizing this is the way out. And then we're able to open a road for us to be able to come out, get, get that way out. So this is very interesting. Tell us a little bit more about this visualization practice, how it plays out in your, in your life. Well, I was so stressed, I couldn't sleep. Yeah. So I think many of our listeners have experienced that, like you're just so stressed that there's a problem in your way and you don't know how to solve it. So it's just like really thinking myself in the future. I don't know if you listen to George Spence about how he described it, for example, and I love his uh, description. Remember the future. Instead of remembering the past, uh, past, remember the future. And that is what I was trying to do create a clear picture. Like when we think about a memory in the past, it's really clear. We know all the details, what is really going on and we see that picture in front of us. So when I try to visualize, that is what I try to create for the future. So I was really seeing how my backpack looks like, how heavy it is. Like I've, I had the feeling of it, like the touch. Try to include all of your senses. Like what do you hear? What are you, what are you feeling? What do you see? And then create a mental picture out of that. And that is going to help you visualize even better than what you're doing at the moment, probably. So that, that was what I was doing the whole night. I was just visualizing that I'm yeah. having my backpack. I'm holding it. I'm hugging it. <laughs> and as soon as I got the backpack, I actually have a picture where I'm hanging it because it's like, I visualized it for the whole night. Let's, let's make it real. So I asked someone to take a picture of me hugging my backpack and it was done. <laughs> 
How do you pack for a 10-month trip? I've never gone anything anywhere close to that vacation. I guess you really have to, you know, is, is it like just a set of clothes and like a few things or like, is it like a backpack or is it a suitcase or uh, how do you plan out a trip like that? Are you asking like uh, like I understood suitcase and backpack? So I'm yeah. How do you I'm how do you plan or, about the trip. How, how do you, do you plan or, or uh, pack for something like that? How do you plan for like ten months is like a very long time. So how do you plan out? So I was looking at the seasons. I was really thinking about where am I going to go and what time am I going to go there. Mm. So I wanted to travel in summer because that means I can pack a lot of clothes. So summer and spring that was my kind of season. So I planned the trip around the world that I'm, go- I'm going to be on the northern hemisphere or the southern hemisphere at the right times that it actually matches my suitcase. And of course, I wanted to hike my short time. So I had hiking equipment, but not too heavy ones, just like the basics. And then I could always purchase more and sell whenever I'm somewhere because there are always other travelers who are seeking for the same things. And what else did I consider? Like, the funny thing was I was making my research. How is it going to be in Australia when I get there? And I'm going, I was like, everybody's saying that Australia is so hot for the summer. I'm going to go there for spring and New Zealand is anyways cold. So no matter if it's spring or summer, it's still going to be chilly. So I'm going to be in New Zealand for summer. And I arrived to Australia and it's just beginning of the spring. And I was not calculating that I'm going to be in the mountains for three weeks. That meant I was having one set of clothing for three weeks because that was my only warm clothing. And I was just freezing wow. in the house. But that's what you work with. And I was like washing as, as often as I could. But, you know, you work with what you can. And there were no no stores or nothing around that I could have go to to buy more stuff. So like some people might think, oh, why didn't she go to the store? It was like, I had no car. I was volunteering with an old man who was living in the middle of the meadow, like nothing around. Just we had a we had a beautiful view, by the way, which I could really enjoy. But to go to the city or like go to a place where you can buy something, I was at least 45 minutes away. So we were not doing it on a daily basis and they didn't have clothing in those stores. We were buying like groceries. So, yeah, like there are occasions like that. And whenever you start getting bored of your clothes, you just exchange. So there are like hostels where you can put it down and then you can pick up other stuff. Or as soon as I started buying heavier things like big jumpers, of course my luggage got bigger and I was like, where am I going to put all these things? (laughs) But then, yeah, that's when you need to evaluate like what is really important. You learn to be a real minimalistic at that time. And actually I loved to be minimalistic and I'm still trying to keep that habit in everyday life. Yeah. So it says here, uh, so I understand from this is that you are doing some volunteering and staying with the locals, you know, getting really immersed in the culture. So um, tell us a little bit about how you were able to arrange that. Like how, how was the, how were you able to organize that? And did you go through some kind of um, company or did you, do, how did you organize that? Yeah. Yeah. So from the 10 month in total, I think I would say I spent maximum three weeks in hostels all in all Mm. so all the rest i was volunteering and really staying with locals i used workaway Workaway workaway.info there are so many other websites but the workaway.info it's i think 200 dollars for a year 
or, or it's maybe even less, but something around that. And you can arrange any type of volunteering that you want. People list whatever help they need. It could be about gardening. It could be about cooking and housekeeping. But for example, one of the places I was a civil engineer, I was aiding someone designing a house. Mm. So that was the help I was giving. At other places, I was helping monks and I was learning from them. And you can also go to animal shelters and sanctuaries. So there are many different areas that you can choose from. So you can really narrow down what are your interests and then seek something around around that. And it's all over the world. I was surprised I could even see Hungary on the map. It was like, wow, they have mm. something in Hungary. So it's, it's known, but it's all over the world. My, my first time I was doing it, it was a few years ago. And I went to Malaysia to a tiny, tiny island and I was doing murals. So I created murals in there in a beautiful spa. And at the same time, I could stay there for free. I could really get connected with the people living there, but at the same time, enjoy the view and whatever that is possible in the country. So, and then this was the first time, like whenever you go somewhere, I try to book at least one work away just after I arrive. So I have a place to put down on the visa because as soon as you fly into a country, you need to put down which location you're going to. So I tried to do that at first. And when I arrived, I really kept building connections. And whoever I met, I was really trying to understand them, trying to understand how they live, what they do. And from those connections, I also got connected to other people that would be interested in welcoming me in their houses or needing some help in other areas. So then it was just a ball rolling afterwards as soon as you get the first two places, because then you build connections. There were also places where I, like, I went somewhere, I went, for example, to these monks and I was learning from them and the place where I was staying at was not the best place at the moment. So I was having a conversation with a wonderful couple and they said, oh, just come stay with us. So there were times like that, that you just randomly show up at someone's place. And of course you might think, what about safety? You are like a 150 centimeter tall girl all around the world. And in a way, what I learned is that people are very helpful and very kind when you give them a chance to be. And of course, you need to be careful when you are traveling because, I, for example, I didn't go out at all after it was dark outside because that is when the parties are happening. That is when issues can happen like with a, with a young girl on the streets. So I was really careful, like, what am I doing? Where am I going? If I go out in those times that I really have someone with me that we keep it as a community. So of course you need to think and take precautions, but, and you need to read people. Like you really need to understand what are the purposes of the people? Like what is their intention? So you kind of create like a third eye when you're traveling, like to understand what people are are doing and saying to you and try to see the meaning behind it. And then you can stay safe. Thank you. Thank you. It sounds very, uh, you know, kind of like you have to really keep yourself on guard and make sure everything's okay. But at the same time, you kind of have seem to have a strategy, you have a good strategy, but it seems like also some experiences you reflect on the watershed moments in your process. Um, you were telling a little bit about your time in New Zealand. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and how maybe some, some things didn't go as, as planned. Well, as I said, like from day zero, my, my plane got canceled. Yeah. And I 
couldn't actually get to New Zealand. And when I got to New Zealand, I couldn't get to the place I had to be because the people I was staying at with, they had work. So they couldn't pick me up. So I made arrangements on the flight with someone so that they would take me. But they said like, oh, they're going to take some detours. So it would take some time for us to get there. So eventually like we met midway with my host. And then that's how I got to their place. And then someone booked my room on Airbnb where I was staying at in this volunteering place. So I was kicked out from that place. So I found um, a volunteering institute. I can, I could travel mate because there are all these websites and Facebook groups where you can search for travel mates. So that's what I did. I found a really nice girl. However, I our car broke down. So then I had to find another travel mate. I found this Finnish guy and he really wanted to do multi-day hikes, but the weather was really getting like crazy in the in New Zealand. That is when we had the tornado and that is when we had uh, the hail storms and we had those, like the, the volcano eruption on the north. So like the weather was really going crazy. And I said, I don't really have the gear for multi-day hikes in these conditions. So of course we parted. Then I went to like, another volunteering place in the very south, which was beautiful because I had a chance to swim like closest to uh, Antarctica. So that's the closest point to Antarctica from New Zealand. And I was swimming there with dolphins. So it was beautiful. However, as soon as we got back home to the place where we were staying at, we found that the place we were staying got robbed. So we were like, okay, what the hell is happening here? From after that, I was driving from the very south of New Zealand to the very north. I was doing car relocation, which means that when people are traveling, they, for example, rent a car in New York and then they drive to LA. They don't want to drive back to New York to drop down the car. So they leave the car in LA. Mm. So I would be the person picking up in LA and I would be hired by the company, like the, the company that you rented your car from. So I drive it back to New York. So that is what I was doing in New Zealand. I was driving from the very south to the very north. And it was Christmas. I was really in the Christmas mood, like, let's do some summer Christmas. Yeah. And I wanted to help this old lady. And when I arrived, the first sentence I heard from another volunteer, run. I was like, what is happening here? <laughs> Why should, what is, what's going on? So I, I entered the house and I understood like very soon, this woman did not want volunteers. She wanted free labor and it was, it was crazy. And there was no Christmas feel at all. Like us volunteers tried to stick together, but it was not working. And that was when I went to the monks, uh, just they were like a few streets down. So every free hour I had, I went to the monks and I was trying to help them. I was volunteering at their place as well. I was helping them renovate their, their temple and doing some paintings and just in general renovations. And they had a, a pre-Christmas dinner for us, like Westerners, and they invited the neighborhood. And that is when I said, like, we had a wonderful conversation with one of the couples and they said, come, come now, like, no. We can we can take you. And then I spent two weeks with them. It was beautiful. It was a real Christmas. Uh, as we had barbecue and we were in the swimming pool. So like summer Christmas, tick. But then I had another other travel mate after Christmas. And he was 18 years old. And it kind of felt like babysitting. 
in a way because he was just a little boy didn't know how to drive I was teaching him how to drive on the other side but like we almost crashed like three times like no from now on i'm the one driving like i'm not giving you the wheel uh-huh. uh it was it was just a funny story and then the very last place i went to this meditation retreat to volunteer it was so beautiful and we were in the middle of nowhere we had our own waterfall we were volunteers from all over the world like-minded we we did yoga twice a day and at the same time we were volunteering at this meditation retreat however because we had this waterfall at our place one of the volunteers drowned in the waterfall so then people like we had the helicopters coming and we had the police there and the boy was from south korea so the parents were flying in from south korea we had a translator to talk to them it was just a big crazy crazy time but if you think my time in new zealand was bad actually when people are asking me what was your best experience i would say it's new zealand because i learned so much from it mm. and on the very very last day before i left new zealand i met a maori healer and that conversation really changed me and changed how i look at life and after that i found my intuition really and who i am so after that i could really transition into the person who i am today so that conversation was really worth it and what he said was that you went through all these troubles and all the struggles to get here to see if you deserve to have this conversation with me. Yeah. So just that was also like an eye-opening thing like whatever you're going through, you can take it as a learning curve and you can look back and see actually it was good that it happened. Maybe at the time I was feeling horrible, at the time I was crying and I wanted to leave, but now looking back to it, it was such a life-changing experience that I wouldn't give back for anything. Yeah, this there was a quote I remember hearing that uh you have to understand life backwards. You know, in order to understand life you have to understand it backwards, but you have to live it forward. So, and I was like, yeah. well, you know, it's like the lessons we learn, we understand after they've happened. We just oh, in order yes, yeah, that's lesson then we have to understand it backwards, but Yeah, I think it forward, was Steve yeah. Jobs who said like that your life is like puzzle pieces. Yeah. And then what like only when you look back you can put the puzzle pieces together. You can never put it together when you are looking forward. Mm. Yeah, a lot of times we learn lessons and we're like, oh, that was really great, but then we had to go through such a difficult time to get to that lesson that we question uh during the time of learning the lesson, we may question, you know, why are we going through this? But then after it's done, we may understand. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. And also you were mentioning about uh to the question in the printer question, we asked about a specific um philosophy that changed your world view of the world. Uh, I don't know if this fits into this. You mentioned about a Sri Lankan monk. I was sure if that was the monks you were mentioning in New Zealand or if that you went to Sri Lanka. Um, so, yeah, so I met two different types of monks. So I met Thai monks and I met uh, monks from Sri Lanka. They are a bit different, even though it's same Buddhism. Um, one of them I met in Cairns in New Zealand, uh, in Australia, sorry. So Cairns in Australia. I went for like a whole day learning from this monk. And we did meditation together and he was telling us stories. And then the other one was in New Zealand. He was a Thai monk. And that was where I was uh, helping them renovating. It's a different way of meditation as well. So it was really interesting to get an understanding of the different ways of meditation from them. Even though it's like very close and we would think like, oh, monk and a monk, it's same. It's like priest yeah. and priest. 
But even though like, if you're talking to a Christian priest or an Orthodox priest, yeah. they are different. So it's the same with like a Thai monk or a Sri Lankan monk. There are these time differences in how they do their practices. So that is what I always suggest for people when they look into meditation or any any way of looking at life or changing their perspective to see different areas and see what fits for them because we are also different. I could tell you that meditation is super easy. You just sit down and do it like that. But for some people, it doesn't work. Some people meditate while running. And it's also like the walking type of meditation, like the action meditation. So like having that understanding that every single person is different and how we look at life is different, then why should we try to copy each other doing that? So it was also one of the learnings that I had from, from the monks. And for, I mean, the New Zealander monks, I kept in touch. And actually I had invited one of them for, for an event that was happening this week because we did this global event and we wanted to do some mindfulness part. So I reached out to him if he would be interested in holding an online session for us. So he was happy to do that. And yeah, so we still keep in touch and try to help each other. It's, it's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, yeah. And then also talking about like the essential truths that a lot of the themes of the show uh, have to do with the essential truths that we see as under, that, that empower us. And one truth that you believe is undervalued by society, you put down the power of nature um, as your answer. So tell us a little bit more about how nature in general, because, like, you know, obviously during this trip, you're, you're able to immerse yourself both in cultural as well as, I guess, see the nature of many different areas of the world, um, see how nature differs in different areas oh. of the world. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I just love nature. I can like today. It's actually a very sunny day in the Netherlands. So before our interview, I was just going down to the field and I was sitting in the grass and reading that way. I'm really trying to connect with nature and whatever is around us. In the Western world, it's a bit more complicated because when we look outside, we see a park. And I so much miss like the big lakes, the big mountains and really going hiking. When I was going hiking, I had the greatest and most important realizations in my life because you just keep going and then you hear the sounds, you are not distracted, you are really in tune with yourself. And that is what is happening when you are in nature mm-hmm. to really connect with yourself and what is around you. And I had one of the, my guests, he is from Nicaragua on my podcast and he is an environmentalist, but he grew up with the elders in Nicaragua. And what he said was that how we Westerners see nature is like that. Yeah, we understand it. It's good for us. We understand it like how exercising is good for us or eating healthy food is good for us. However, it doesn't go anything deeper than that. But because we don't understand this clear entity of nature that is trying to keep us safe no matter what, like we can see now during COVID that we, nature is reviving and trying to clean the air, really trying to bring us back. So when we can really connect with nature, there is this movement that is going on now that is called earthing, that is proving the facts that by reconnecting with nature, you can reduce stress, you can reduce anxiety, you can get better sleep, you can um, just get more healthier in your own body and in your mind. So nature has so much benefits to give for us. And if we can really go and reconnect with it, that is going to be a life changer. For example, this man, this man from Nicaragua, he said when he was born, a tree was planted in their backyard. 
And whatever happened to him, whatever people said, he could always go to the tree and the tree would always listen. It would always be his friend. And no matter what, that tree would be there to give support to him. So he didn't care what people said about him. But as soon as they wanted to hurt the tree, it was like, no, you are hurting my family. So this is the type of connection that we lost along the years of development and technology and industrialization. This is the connection that we are missing. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so yeah, continuing on that about um, truth and empowerment. So one of the questions was about selecting something you believe to be true. In what way does this specific truth act as a way for your empowerment? And you had a quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson, um, which is interesting. Um, it goes, do not go where the path may lead. Go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. So tell us a bit about what this, what this quote means to you. It means so much to me. And it's related to the previous question that you said yeah. about, about nature. Because when I, when I heard this quote, I first didn't connect with it. I liked it. I took a picture of it. I was, I was actually in New Zealand. And after I was going through my picture, and I was like really reflecting my time. I was like, oh, my God, this makes so much sense. And it is my life. Because I was realizing it as hiking, that you can go on the path that everybody else is going. And then you might follow the crowd. You might do what everybody else is doing, but then that's going to be your path. Or while you are hiking, you might see a little, little trail. It is not well-made. You might need to cut your way through it. It's going to like, the leaves are going to be all over your play, uh, your face. You might trap, you might fall, but it's going to be your path. You are carving it. And by the end, you get to that, that path. There might be something totally different totally beautiful and it is going to be your end result your purpose mm. so that is how i connected this this message in my head that do not go where the path may lead do not follow the crowd go mm. instead where there is no path and leave a trail so mm. make your own way and find your own truth find mm. your own power and your own beauty in the world and if you can lead others towards that as well then do that help them any way you can. I think Emerson also had a quote, or maybe as a title of one of his works called Self-Reliance, and it's kind of, you know, independence and, you know, know who you are, and he has a lot of, I, I should reread some of his works. Yeah. You hear? No, could you repeat it, please? Oh, okay. Uh, no, I just say... Uh, I, I can't I can't hear the other person. <laughs> yeah, because oh. the microphone is actually in the... In the computer. Oh, you know, so it's well, her microphone. Oh, okay. So we have to kind of get you a little closer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. No, I just just was saying that Emerson had a work or a quote or a term, self reliance, and that just sort of explains the whole independence. Um, yeah, you know, about self reliance about self reliance. Uh, self reliance. Yeah. So well, Emerson also had a quote about self reliance. He was saying, yeah. So uh, what do you think about self-reliance or what do you think about uh, the uh, as opposed to community or all this kind of thing and how and how Emerson's take on self-reliance do you, do you know about? Self-reliance or self-alliance? Reliance, reliance. Reliance. Yeah. Um, I think it's always important to know when to ask for help and when to ask questions and who you can ask the questions from. So 
being uh, self-reliant is important. You need to make be able to take the steps yourself because no one else is going to take it for you. Uh, but when you face tr um, tr struggles and when you feel that you have no way out, self-reliance is not really going to help you there. You do need help. You do need mentors. You do need teachers along the way. And these teachers can be your kids. These teachers can be your friends, your family. It could also be like an actual mentor or a coach. But you can find help any way you look as long as you are open-minded to learn from any lesson that you are facing. And then you can turn it around and rely on yourself to take action towards what you want to make because no one else is going to do it for you. But you can do the learning. And you, in a way, you need to be self-reliant on actually taking action and asking questions. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of the Mr. Rogers uh, quote about there's always a helper around. You can always find a helper. I don't know if you know that Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Yeah. I don't there's, think so. There's Mr. Roger's neighborhood, and he always says, "If you look close, you can find the helpers in the in the community and and this kind of thing." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so that's good. Um, so now, yeah, yeah. So now, talk, talk a little bit. Like, so I think the let me just remind listeners: this is the Truth to Power Show. I'm reading for Brooklyn. Uh, we air every every Sunday now at 11 a.m. Uh, we're here with co-host Colt Mallison and uh, special guest Nico Thoth. Um. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about now. You have um, your your one of your long term plans to do a documentary. I understand. Tell us a bit about the documentary and how you what your that plans is, are for that. Yeah. At this stage, it's very, it's on pause because of COVID. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a bit complicated to get that plan. We did a lot of research on which cultures we would like to include and how we would like to take the steps. Also, my videographer fell out of the question, so now I'm yeah. alone again. But I, I still plan to do it one day. And even if it's not going to be a documentary, I I was planning to be a documentary because I would love to share the knowledge with others. But um, if I cannot make it myself, that is totally fine. I would still would like to do that learning. I would like to do, go to a Shaolin monk. I would like to go to Okinawa for a few months and learn from the Okinawans on how to eat healthy and live there, like that long life, what we are doing in the in the blue zone. So I think it's so important to look into ancient wisdoms and old knowledge. We always say learn something new every day. But what if we could really learn something old? Because after a certain point, there is nothing new. It's only new for us. But the ancient wisdoms, when we bring it back, that old knowledge can really shift the mindset of the people today and bring us to a better future. This is what I realized when I was in Australia, for example, that Aboriginals have been around for 60 plus thousand years. Their stories go back to 100,000 years. And they're like everybody thought that they are crazy and their monsters in their stories are not real things until recently we started discovering that those used to be kind of like after the dinosaurs like they're like weird creatures that they turned out to be the animals that we have today but they existed because they have been there they have seen it and through dreaming they shared it with people and they lived in australia which everybody's saying that it's such a crazy land that it's it's only going to kill you because like of all of the animals that are there right and all like the ways that you can like there's no real war they survived 60 plus thousand years there how did they do that so when we can learn from that mindset 
in any ways, like how the Native Americans live, how indigenous people in the Amazon or even indigenous people in Europe, even though we don't hear that often about that one, but we do have indigenous people here as well. How can we learn from them and apply that knowledge to today's world? And that is the question. And that is what I try to understand even for myself. And if along the way I can share this knowledge with others, I would be more than happy to. But at this stage is like still, yeah, it's on pause because of because of COVID. And currently I'm working here in the Netherlands. So just going on like along the way, like we will see how life is turning out. Yeah. yeah. So um, talking a little bit about, uh, you know, success and failures, you know, kind of that dichotomy between, you know, sometimes we define things as a failure, but as we we're learning from this, um, this talk is that, you know, sometimes failures can bring us to greater gifts. But uh, at the same time, uh, what do you think is a very valuable failure that you that you experienced uh, that really, uh, really brought it home for you that that this this these lessons? Like, uh, you mean, uh, like valuable, like, even though if it's hard at the time, just what I took from it? Yeah, no, the valuable failure. So, no, like oh, something. Yeah. So, one of the questions in the pre interview questions, you talked a little bit about, uh, you, you know, kind of your training in engineering and, and how that, that was a false start or, yeah. 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 So, it's funny. I, I graduated uh, magna cum laude from uh, civil engineering. So, I did pretty good when I was studying. I wasn't, mm. I wasn't failing in it because I was bad at it. I was actually pretty good. And all of my friends were surprised that I quit mm. engineering. But I'm always happy for that knowledge and yeah. whatever, like going to a building and understanding what is really going on. And if I want to buy a house, I really understand what I need to look at. So that knowledge is always going to be with me. It's always going to help me think a bit more tech than just human minded, but I can at the same time connect the two. And after I was graduating, I was actually headhunted and I was supposed to move to Germany to start a job. And that job just didn't work out. I was telling you that I went to South Africa after graduation. So while I was in South Africa, it was it was going crazy here in Europe. Like the company that I was supposed to start working with, they were contacting me. They still haven't sent me a contract and I was supposed to start next week. It was like I was supposed to fly back from South Africa and fly, like move the next day to Germany and start working two days after. And still I had no accommodation that I was supposed to get sorted out by the company. I had no nowhere to go. I had no contract, nothing sorted out. And at the same time, because the company was not doing the research, I was trying to search for a place in Hamburg, which is like very close, like finding a place in New York or in LA. Like you cannot really find a place unless you are really there. So I was like, I'm searching for a place from another continent and it was not working. And actually, one of the sites that I went to, it was a fake Airbnb site. So people be careful, like reach out to Airbnb whenever you feel like that. It's, it's crazy because you would trust Airbnb. And but someone copied the same Airbnb site. Oh, wow. And I was trying to book a place and I figured out that it's fake mm. because the payment wasn't going through. And then they were, I was getting like a, a weird invoice that was sending, like, I was supposed to send my money to a different place. I was like, wait, oh, what? Yeah. Oh, shit, they have all my information now. Oh, God. So I was, like, in South Africa, stolen, like, identity, and I was like, what the heck am I going to do? <laughs> so it was, like, a huge mess up, and I'm like, what am I going to do with my life? 
uh, I was flying back to the, uh, to Denmark and I was flying like, about to move and I was calling the company like, okay, guys, did you sort out the location? Where am I going to move tomorrow? And they're like, well, we don't have a place for you. You can move here, but we don't know where you're going to stay. I'm like, you want me to move to Germany and stay under like a bridge or something? <laughs> I was like, what, what are you thinking? Yeah. And it's like, look, we have like almost ready the office for you. So almost ready, not ready. Yeah. And I was like, what is going on? So it's like, like I, I'm not moving tomorrow. Like, I haven't even signed a contract yet. Like, you guys haven't sent me a contract. I'm supposed to start like two days from now and nothing is happening. So they said, oh, we can we can move your contract to the um, to April then. I was like, okay, then let's do that. But then I took some time. I gave up all my apartments or like I had nothing left in Denmark. So I decided to fly to Hungary, surprise my sister for her birthday. And I started doing like learning in Hungary and I decided after like a week or so that I'm going to quit this job. I don't feel that I'm aligned with it anymore. I don't feel that I can trust the people there. They, they were not able to help me out in this bad situation. So I just really didn't feel comfortable starting like to work with them. So that is how all like this self searching started. And like, that's how I decided to like, well, I always wanted to travel the world. Why not to do it now? Yeah. Like, and actually it was a good decision because a year later COVID hit. So like, who knows when you can do it again and you would never be able to do it the way I did because of like all these safe tools and stuff like you yeah. would need to wait like years for that. So I was actually turning out to be very good and very nice learning curve. People still think that I'm crazy not to do civil engineering, but actually the job I'm doing, it's like they were happy that I'm a civil engineer, bringing back like that, the tech mindset, but at the same time doing something meaningful like that is creating a change in the world. Um. I, can't you hear me now or no? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, try, try. Okay, uh, I, I was just wondering of uh, all this traveling and stuff. But how do you like try to help the, your local community and like you know where you actually live, like you know and stuff like that? Like, do you still go to monks in your own community and stuff? Do you keep up the practice of going to spiritual practice in your, in your community? In my community, yeah. Um. I grew up not to be spiritual, so I, I actually I went to church a few Sundays because I decided to, um, because I was learning in school about it, and I had some friends who were very religious. But my family is not too religious, and they they gave me the freedom to really search and understand. My mom believes in angels, and she was always learning about. Uh, like the power of like law of attraction, for example. And I was learning positive uh, thinking from her and how to really be aligned with yourself. So that is what I was learning from home, but there was no set spirituality in my family or in my culture. We are very broad. Like actually the city where I'm from, it's called the city of churches because we have all of the religions represented almost in my city. So you can be many like whatever you want to be like religion wise in my city. So we didn't have that background of spirituality, but that gave me the freedom to really search and try to understand. And I just love to have these conversations with people to see what their spirituality is. I also created my own understanding. I don't have one particular religion that I am aligned with. But I do believe that there is something more and I created my own understanding. So I think the most important here is to mention that 
we are all different. And again, I want to say that we are all different and we believe in different things. Even though, again, you meet two people from Christianity, they might not have the exact same way of looking at the Bible. So just accepting each other and accepting that we can think differently and really listening to each other about what we believe and being open-minded that that's your truth. I can have a different truth. That's fine, but I, I can listen to you. And I think that is the most important skill people need to learn, that they don't have to be right all the time. They can just really listen and try to understand what the other person is saying without trying to find the meaning in it for themselves, if that makes sense. Like you can just really listen and acknowledge for the other person, accept that a person for who they are. Yeah. It seems like what you're saying also is that, um, you know, what's true for you may not be true for me. So we kind of, we have to really sit in our truths and understand our truths for ourselves instead of like creating a truth for everyone. You know, instead of like thinking yeah. like they were creating truth for, for all people, which may be misguided. Yeah. Is that what kind of, exactly. that kind of so I think the most, yeah, find your own truth. And it's not, I'm not saying that that truth is going to be the same for your whole life. Yeah. That truth can be changed. Yeah. And from these conversations that you are having, that you are staying open-minded, then of course, some of those thoughts are going to make you think as well and might change your truth or might question your truth, but just be accepting that it is okay to question your truth. It doesn't have to be always true. Then that's the personal development, like the next stage of personal development, I think, to really accept that your truth can also be fault. And it is okay to question it sometimes. And just, uh, you know, sometimes people say, if people change too much, it's a bad thing, but there's a change is also progression. So it's kind of, Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We change all the time. So what your truth was five years ago probably is not your truth today. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, yeah. You Think about like how you were in high school. You believe that, oh, like I'm going to be this and this type of person. I'm going to have kids by this time. I'm going to have this and this. And then 10 years down the road, are you really having that? Like this is your truth at that time. Did it become real? Did you change any ways in your mindset? Maybe you changed a job that you thought that you would never, ever take. You said, that is not me at all. But then suddenly you tried it and then here you go. We change and our understanding of ourselves and understanding of the world changes ours. Uh, we did. Like, I would say we have sunglasses. And at a time, like as, as we are growing, these sunglasses also need to be changed. So every time, every summer, we take a new sunglass. I think that's the easiest way to say it. That mm. every summer you like, you change and you try on a different glass because you're interested in how the world looks like through that glass. And I think when we have a conversation and we are willing to take from someone else's glass and put it on just to see how it looks, I think that's one of the most important things we can do. Thank you. Thank you. It seems like also the, the remembrance of, um, there's an impermanent world that it's impermanent manifestation of this world. So that things are impermanent is something we're keen on that things constantly change and, and, uh, and that the things are not, are interdependent upon their causes and rising. So, um, causing conditions that, that are created. So, and those causing conditions are constantly changing. So it's like, so when we go through good times, you remember, that this is impermanent. When we go through bad times, we remember this is impermanent. We're able to keep a, like a stability to our consciousness. 
Because we realized that these that, things come and yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. That's why someone explained this to me and made so much sense for me. Like, do you know the frequencies? They go up and down, up and down. It's yeah. like any wave. Like, even yeah. if you see, look at the ocean, there are waves going up and down, up and down. Mm. Without going down, you wouldn't get the velocity to go up. Yeah. And it's the same in life. Life is not stagnant. Death is stagnant. Life is going up yeah. and down, up and down. And when you are up, you need to go down to get the velocity to go up again. Oh. And that down could be small, but it could be also really deep. But the deeper you go, the higher you can go. And just yeah. understanding that it's a constant curve that you shouldn't get settled in the in the in the good times and you shouldn't get settled in the bad times. It's always in between and it's always changing. So after bad times, I don't know how how long that period is going to be, but after that, there comes something better and then it, we can always come out of it. Thank you. Thank you. So as you mentioned the, um, the documentary heal the documentary, tell us a little bit about that and, and how that, that you mentioned that as one, uh, piece of film that you could, uh, wish the whole world could experience. So tell us a little bit about how the impact of this documentary has was on you. Um, I need to start at, in my family, we have a lot of chronic diseases. Mm. So I was always concerned. I was always trying to keep myself as healthy as possible. And even at this time, my grandma is struggling with breast cancer, breast cancer for the third time. And she doesn't want to fight anymore. Mm. She, she wants to give up. So when I was watching this movie, I, I was aligning what I was believing. And those conversations are so beautiful and so meaningful that we are creating the diseases in ourselves. And when we can really understand what is going on in our body, how where we are holding the stresses, the pains, the feelings, that we built up along the years, all those bad memories that we try to drag with ourselves, then it's it's coming with us to the present and it's creating some disease in our body. So the heal movie is something about, about that, that you can heal yourself at a certain level. Of course, if you need a surgery, go for a surgery. I'm not saying that you can cure yourself uh, from like a broken bone, but if it's anything that is emotional, Mm. then we can deal with it and we can work towards it. So I actually, uh, in Hungarian, they didn't make this movie, but I found the book version of it in Hungarian and I brought it and I gave it to my grandma and I was like, please read it. And after that, she was smiling and she was more positive. And she's like, I'm going to try this. So of course it's like, we need to go back because a few months has passed and she went back to the old ways because it's always like, it's a habit, you know, it, you need time to adjust a new way of living. Mm. So I want her to read it again, but that movie, I really could recommend it to everyone. And there are so many great documentaries on Netflix. So if you want anything on Netflix, if you want an Netflix and chill or just a, a, an afternoon off where you watch something, yeah, there are series and documentaries and all that stuff, but there are so many great movies or like deep documentaries that you can watch on netflix so if you want netflix and chill just choose one of those movies and you can learn so much from those thank you thank you so um just remind listeners as we start to wrap up that this is the truth of power show ready for brooklyn ready for brooklyn is uh um thank you for listening ready for brooklyn because it's the listener supported independent radio so um if you'd like to listen to ready for brooklyn when you're not in front of your computer please consider downloading our free mobile apps or iphone or android Develop an app for App Store for iPhone or Google Play Store for Android. Um, also, uh, there's three ways you can help us. 
First, you can do a one-time donation or monthly pledge. We're going to ready for clean.org slash donate. Then you can find great t-shirts, mugs, and other swag they would like to send you to say thanks. You can also use your phone to text RFB123 to 44321. It always takes a moment, and you'll be able to use your digital wallet for your donation. Finally, if you shop on Amazon, you can go to amazon.com slash smile and register um, Radio for Brooklyn as a nonprofit we support. When you do a percentage of your sales, will go to RFB and it will cost you nothing. No donation is too big or too small. Whatever you can afford will make a huge difference. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts and wish all our listeners health and happiness as we complete the, the COVID storm together. Thank you. Uh, so any final thoughts, uh, Nico, that you want to leave the listeners with as we start to wrap up? We only have a few more minutes. I think, yeah, just uh, from our conversation, I would just like to conclude that the most important thing is to be open-minded and really try to see the perspective of other people, not only yours. Yeah, I think it's very important to like understand that people's truths that they're living, it's really it's really coming out of an organic place. Like, not, not like you know, in other words, like when we see things that are different from us, we're like, oh, this is like, you know, out there alien, but then we realize it's really coming out of a genuine place of, you know, of, of having lived that truth. Yeah. 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 There's a reason why we have biodiversity. Yeah. So exactly. diversity is what is creating world. So we wouldn't thrive if we would all be the same. So yeah. just trying to accept that a person for who they are and accept that that's how they see the world. Thank um, you. They just have a, or podcast and her website. Yeah, if you could just plug your podcast and website for the final moment. It's my 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 uh, my name, anikutot dot me. So that's where okay. people can find me and more information about it. Yeah, I N I K O, right? And then T O T H. Yeah, exactly. All right. All right, and dot, dot, me, me. dot me. Yeah. All right, cool. All right, thanks so much for being here. Um, I just want to remind listeners: this is the Radio for Brooklyn. We were every Sunday at eleven a.m. Uh, you can find out more, find our backlog of episodes at readyforbooking.org slash truth to power. You can find it about myself at vgrnathan.com. Um, we have about like a minute left. So, uh, maybe I'll play a song out or something. Um, let me see what I got here. Well, thanks. Thanks for being interviewed. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you, VJ. Thank you guys. It Thank was a you. pleasure. Thank you. So I'll play something at last moment, moments or so. Uh, or maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> I, maybe I won't. Uh, cause only a minute left. So, um, yeah, thanks so much. So, yeah. All right. All right. Take care. Goodbye, guys. Bye. Bye. It was a pleasure to meet you. Thank you. Bye bye.